0: hi welcome to season five uh this is episode one and we're calling it our open mic um and what that means is that each of us tom Spitali, hi tom sean hello Hello. so we've all written down three topics uh but we haven't shared them with each other yet and they're related to strategic uh, marketing topics, of course, and uh, and the unique thing about the season also is is that we are recording it on video. So if you want to listen, you can still do that on SoundCloud and Apple iTunes. But you can now list, uh, see us on the video on our uh, You. Uh, we have a channel called The Excellent Market on YouTube. So anyway, so we're gonna get started, and uh, hmm, I uh, I think that Tom should go first. Tom, why don't you? share or ask us whatever uh burning question you have
1: lucky winner
2: look of relief on my face did you notice that when the when the when the needle pointed your direction
1: was was it relief or anger well frustration who knows okay first question what are the steps to elevate the role of marketing if in the company in question, its current status is just sales support. what What are the actual practical steps? How do you go about elevating marketing 's role in a company step by step because we all know that that can 't happen overnight?
0: Okay Sean, you go first
2: oh I get the, I get the first crack at the answer then you know I think it 's an interesting question, Tom, because we have this vision of what the marketing role should be, very strategic, very integrated across the the whole um, customer-facing part of the business, which would include product development, pricing, customer acquisition, all of that sort of stuff, comes into the to the mix. I guess the first step, and this this might be a little bit of a cop out of an answer, is it's got to start from the top. If the CEO, if the boss of the business, doesn't say, "I want marketing to be this central, broad church department." Then it ain't ever going to happen you're 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 hammering on cold steel as a blacksmith might say actually i don't even know where that saying came from. I just made it up probably, but anyway, I think that's where it starts you've got to have the person at the top saying, "I want this to happen, and that's that's where your effort needs to go if that's not the case
0: yeah i um I was thinking very similar sean it's and and that leads us to segmentation too you know you have to recognize wherever you, I'm, I'm assuming that whoever's listening to this is somewhere in the organization and probably not the CEO and they're si- sitting there and they have enough knowledge and experience to say, I know this company could be great if we could actually make sure that that we really thought more about the market and customers and marketing could actually influence and be an advocate for customers. Um, that said, if you're in a, a company that you look at your your senior staff so maybe it's not the senior person but there's you know other people that you could work it with and say hey you know let me give you the evidence that this is real this is how great companies get even greater um and and work their influencer map internally that that might be kind of a version of what you're saying sean
2: i guess it's also it's kind of like um if you want to prove your worth as a marketer then you have to market yourself it's kind of self-fulfilling isn't it in a way because if you're good enough to convince everyone and to create a value proposition and and to create a position in the mind of the of the board as to why this is a good thing then by definition you're a good marketer right so almost using the tools internally is uh, is maybe something you know i think that's what you're saying mary right that's that's the that's the way to do it is to demonstrate value clearly by using the sort of tools and approaches that we that we talk about
0: yeah, and I think yes, so using it internally and if, if I was in that situation, I would go and do a customer survey of some type. I go talk to customers, I use the Vietnam card sort we talk about. I would do something that helped me get insights about what what the company was about that um, that may provide some opportunity. Because I don't think you can stand on a table and yell, Hey, let me, you know, let me help lead. But if you walk in and you have all this evidence that the customers are feeling a certain way, especially as you know, we're going out of this post pandemic, there are, it is a lot of opportunity to be able to say customer needs are changing and look at this is what our company can do if we really take these steps. So that would be what I would do if I was in that situation. Tom, what do you do you have some thoughts on your big question?
1: No, I'm just gonna ask questions and let you guys <laughs> I, I have he no idea. No, really I knew if I, I, you know, I know if, if, I, if I let the dialogue go on long enough that one of you two would hit on what I thought was the ultimate answer, which was, uh, and Mary wins the prize. Um, although, Sean, I mean, I, I love the idea that uh, if you can get to the CEO, that's the path of least resistance, right? I love I that as a strategy for us, right? You know, to, to, to start at the top down, it, it rarely happens that way. And I think that because it's such a long journey, um, I think the idea of starting small and demonstrating worth, which you both kind of alluded to, right, is, is, is let's, let's demonstrate some value here. And I think the most logical place to begin is somewhere in the area of customer needs and, and, and bringing some insight, some very credible insight to the organization possibly doing this jointly maybe not even possibly probably doing this jointly with the sales group you know finding out some new information which the current pandemic environment you know lends you know to go find what are some new things some insightful things that we haven't really considered as a company before as marketing demonstrates that leadership and then has the the next opportunity to connect that to perhaps some changes in the company's value proposition, you know, you slowly build this credibility and you begin to be thought of as, as, as more of a power a source of power in the organization rather than just a supporting function.
0: Yeah, yeah. With AI too, I think there's so many opportunities to start to learn even more or big data or, you know, there, you can, you can even be more educated in your proof um, as technology is developing very rapidly. Sean, were you
2: going to say something? Well, I was just thinking that based on my own experience of this sort of thing is, is um, I totally agree, you've got to have an evidence base to sell to the CEO, whoever's going to ultimately grant that wish that you're now in charge of this broad strategic department, mm. or rather the function is broad and strategic in itself, whether or not you're in charge of it. Um, I think that that amount of, um, of of evidence gathering is important, but in organizations where marketing is thought of as a, a lead generator maybe, or, or the people that do the brochures, that sort of sales collateral thing. The 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 expectation is f- for results, is for action, is, is for those to drive new leads, to drive new sales, to get new business. So anything you come up with, for example, you'll say, and I've, I've noticed an interesting trend in how customers are focusing on this. And if we were to develop a product that delivered this, then they might say, that sort of stuff, is interesting, but you've got to have that credibility of, of, of action as well. So I think starting small but focusing on demonstrable results is also important, not not just ideas or concepts, because that that doesn't do you any favours if, if the prevailing mood is that you're there to support sales this quarter. That's your job.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. I guess I'm, I'm thinking, um, I just recently read that Goldman Sachs hired their first CMO, Chief Marketing Officer. And I'm curious, that would be one to roll back and see what brought them to that point where they realized in their industry, you know, because, you know, financially things are very, very turbulent right now, um, what made them decide that it was finally time to bring a CMO in. Um, And as you say, now, you know, if you have a CMO, there's a better chance that marketing as an organization is is going to be able to prove themselves and and make a a significant dent on the company.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that your, I, I, is
1: that your question? I, I, <laughs> is that is that your open mic question, Mary? Or are are you is that one A from
0: It's one A. It's still like, hmm, where have I seen this recently and why is it happening?
2: Yeah, I wouldn't even know where to begin to unpick Goldman Sachs having a CMO, thinking of their business model and and their typical consumers, if you like, or uh uh, that'll be an interesting one to watch. I, I would have nothing to say because it's the first I've heard of it, but it sounds intriguing. Shall we say interesting?
0: Yeah. Um, do we do more than one big question on this, or or um, or do well, we? I'm could-
2: hoping we do. I would hope hoping we do a couple.
0: Okay, Sean. Then you're uh, you're next up.
2: Okay, so I'm going to take a very very small step away from the strategic marketing concepts and and talk more about our business model because. As you guys know, we've spent years and years jumping on planes, getting to a classroom or a university or a college or a convention center. We've, we've, we've met with a, a group of people, any, anywhere from a few people to a few hundred people in the room, and we've done our thing, which is it's just in-person workshops, guided learning, action learning, teaching, whatever you want to call it. And now we've moved through necessity online. So my question, my thought was, regardless of the fact that we've had to do this given the the, the current pandemic situation, now we've seen both, which is better? Classroom or virtual? Okay, can I go first, Mary?
1: Um, What I think is so compelling about that question in any business you know, I, I guess what, what, this, what this virtual stuff is, it's a disruptive technology. You know, it's a disruptive change to the whole arena of training. And the godfather of disruptive technology, Clayton Christensen, said something decade, a decade and a half ago that's so true that I think we're finding. He's, he said, look, here's the, way, here's the way disruptive technologies or disruptive change works. It, it, it first looks... Like it's not going to be a threat to an um, existing sales model or or delivery model or a business model, any kind of business model. It looks like it's not going to be a threat. People say it's never going to be as good as X. And so in this situation, it would be easy to say virtual training and, and virtual learning is never, ever going to be as good as live training. And the tendency is then to underrate it, underrate it, underrate it until somebody comes along and, and, and takes your business away from you because eventually disruptive technologies show themselves for what they are, which is just a new way and sometimes better way to do things. And I think what we are discovering as a company is that is exactly what's going on. We have thought for a long time, nothing could ever be better than live. But now that we're doing virtual, we're finding some things that are huge advantages. Things like we're able, but we used to run around and make sure everybody was getting in and out of breakout rooms. Everybody understood, you know, the, the, the plenary concepts that we had just given and just doing logistical things. Now we just hit a button, people go into breakout rooms and we're completely free to go into and watch what people are doing and lend our experience to what they're doing. We're having more hands-on um, ability to help guide people to make sure they're going in the right direction, applying the concepts uh, insightfully. So that's, that, to, to, to me, I, I think we are finding that that's just one of probably three or four or five reasons why virtual could be thought of as better than our historical live stuff. More to be proven, but that's just my thoughts on that.
2: I'm not what very are you thinking about? about it?
0: <laughs> yeah, well I, I do agree that you can get the job done. You get the job done online. You know, um, you can cre- you can either learn the concepts or create your strategies. You know, we try to, to do both at the same time. So I, I do think that you can be very efficient and um, and productive. You know, we, we did it just recently, and we're able to crank out four, four strategies in four meetings, you know, with using the toolkit. So you can do it. I think um, the other objectives that you have when we get in that big conference room or wherever we're meeting is also the human side of it. It's uh, building the relationships, building alignment. Um, a lot of times people don't even work. They work in remote parts of the world. So when we do those sessions, everyone ends up in the same room and some of the best things that come out of it they say i haven't i never even knew what you really look like i've talked to you forever but i like you because i think you're more cool than i realized you know so building those relationships
2: no uh, one's ever said that to me mary what's going on i've never heard those
0: words with their friends you know with their (laughs) colleagues i'm saying They, they they discover each other and they discover that um Uh, That relationship side of it that, you know, I think is hard on virtual and so some of the objectives absolutely But some of those uh, those other ones the relationships alignments um, Those those are going to be harder ever unless you have it in person. I think
2: Yeah, yeah what when I was thinking, I thought that'd be an interesting question because there's no clear answer. There's there's, there's good and bad in both, as you have both said. There's the human element. There is a certain amount of theatre to being in a room where you can adapt the pace and the and reflect the mood better. You get more of a human connection in a in a room, particularly with a, a fairly intimate group, maybe twenty to forty people. You <laughs> could you could manage that. Not not so much when you got six hundred people. That's not 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 as good. But I think also you've got this. Um, to me, it's like horses for courses. If you want to upskill people and teach them a, a, a very basic concept, then distance learning, on-demand learning really works because you, you, you don't have to manage the pace for the people that are more advanced or quicker learners or more experienced. So you can use distance learning and everyone can bring themselves up to a level the virtual allows you to be very efficient as you said tom and rather than having to cram everything into an eight-hour day or a 10-hour day you can have four two-hour sessions which tends to be much more uh productive and and helps people focus and and also get their day job done as well it's not a complete interruption but when you then have the, all that that camaraderie and that that unification that comes in the classroom you can make those events in the future when we can do them again a sort of um a a sort of finishing class a master class if you will so whereas before we've had to upskill collaborate and do all of the 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 final stuff in, in one or two or three sessions in person we could now have distance learning virtual teams followed by in person and maybe it's still efficient because we'll be less in person, but more effective when we are. So I think it's definitely going to change things. I don't think it'll replace yeah. everything, but it's more of a, more of a menu now. It's like, there's a three, three, three parts to it. You know, we've got breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We've got learning, collaborating and, uh and hanging out and, and having all the benefits there.
1: You know, what I, what I wonder about the future of live training. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't mean to disparage it because obviously it's how we've all made our living for the last couple of decades, and it's it's fantastic. We 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 love uh, a lot of the aspects of it. I just wonder if the, the practicality of it, given you know the COVID nineteen situation, I think companies are going to be very judicious about what they get together for. You know, what are they going to do? If they, if they even, you know, are going to have any kind of live events, they're certainly going to be fewer. And you wonder if, you know, while we would make the case that strategic planning and, and perhaps training are, are 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 worthy of that, and maybe they are going to think that, you know, because of that camaraderie aspect that you guys describe, that that's better for I don't know, um, you know, certain certain team team building or company building events. So um, I think that the, the practicality of it, even though it has a lot of, of benefits, the practicality of it may be significantly less than it ever has been. And, you know, I think that hopefully people are going to start to understand that the virtual part of it, there is a lot of benefits to that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. the needle will shift. As I say I don't think it's binary. That's when I asked the question, I thought there isn't a, an actual answer, which is best, but it's, it's a question of, of the the needle will shift i think tom more and more in the favor of virtual and we'll see less live and more very very specific reasons for that live and maybe even piggybacking on other reasons to get together you know sort of these 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 team meetings where they say and we're going to have a day of doing x as well as having the annual meeting that sort of thing sort of leveraging the the cost but yeah i think the world's changed for sure
0: (laughs) Yes, yes, it has. Well, we're going to wrap this up for this, uh, this episode. And um, we hope that you enjoy this open mic uh, uh, type of format. And like you said, if you like listening, you can do that. But if you like uh, watching it as well, we now have it on YouTube as video. So thank you so much for joining us and good luck.
1: Thank you. Thank you.